titled Watch Out for False Teachers. Thank you all. Little boy went up to his mom and said, Mom, where'd we come from? And she said, well, God stepped out and spoke everything into existence. And then he built all the planets, the universes, everything. And on the earth, he had it bring forth plants and then birds and then land, uh, everything in the sea, and then land animals. And then he created man, he created Adam. And he set apart a, a certain area, he called it the Garden of Eden, and he wanted Adam to take care of that. And he noticed Adam was kind of lonely, needed somebody to help him. So he put him to sleep, took a rib, and made Eve. And that's where we came from. All of mankind comes down from that. Wow. So then he went and he asked Dad, where did we come from? And Dad says, well, millions and millions of years ago, everything started to just kind of coalesce. And somewhere in there, there was some lightning and it sparked a life. A little one cell. And over the eons of time, that cell divided, made more. And then eventually it made animals. And eventually some of them crawled out of the sea. And it took a long time, but there were apes. And man came from them. Well, this kind of confused him, as you might understand. And so he went to mom and he said, Mom, I asked Dad where we came from, and he went into this big thing about apes and millions of years, and she said, oh, yes, honey. Well, he was talking about his side of the family. <laughs> Got to pay attention to who you're talking to. Okay, let's start with 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I missed starting off here. Because that's not... I'll start over. The joke was still good, though. It's September, and do you know what that means? Time for the Tulsa State Fair. Woohoo! There's kids all over that are getting ready for the fair. The schools used to close for one day so that the kids could go. I don't know if they still do that or not. They did when I went to school, which, you know, believe it or not, was not back in the day when you rode horses. <clears throat> anyway. For all those kids, there's usually a universal message given to them by their parents. Be careful, pay attention, and don't talk to strangers. 
But wait, there's something else that we'll be starting during the same time of the fair, and that's the Feast of Tabernacles. Woo-hoo! Actually, it would probably be impossible to go to the feast and not talk to strangers. As, as well as being, I think it would be counter to what God wants us to be there for in the first place. Pretty much every time we go to the feast, we meet strangers. And usually they're wonderful people. Met lots of wonderful people. <clears throat> but I think I'd be saying we should pay attention. I started this message with the intent to debunk some things presented to me by someone. However, as I was preparing this lesson, I realized that he's not the only person putting this stuff out. Along with the wonderful people that I have met at the feast, there have been some who also have come to mind <clears throat> that I figured you need to pay attention. You need to check this out. So, <clears throat> that made me change the focus of this message. I'm not, not so much working on debunking this one person's message as giving us a heads up to things to be mindful of. So with this in mind, let me start. And let me start, uh, well, I started with that, with, with all scripture. It's essential to have a bedrock that you can go to. <clears throat> so sometime back I received a, a message, me and about 99 other people, so I'm pretty sure it wasn't just personally me, uh, from one Anthony Roten confessing, or professing to share knowledge with Christians about Paul. He wrote, this is a Shabbat, uh, is Shabbat to remember the test and tester, the delusion, rather confusion, by the will of the word our father, Anybody understand that? I didn't know. This report, continuing with what he wrote, is to show how the word our father leads his children into all truth, including the confusion Paul has caused and why. I'm not sure how that's all truth. And, anyway. and he quotes Deuteronomy 13.3. A great test for the children come. Okay, so let's Check this out. This is Deuteronomy 13.3 in King James Version. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's a good thing, right? Not to listen to false prophets or those who would lead us to worship false gods. But the scripture here that he says doesn't really clarify each. He's done something here that bothers me. He just used one verse. And not enough in that verse for me to clarify. So, what, you know, what problem? What dream? dream? So let's see if we read a little bit more. So I'm going to switch to New King James Version. And we'll start in verse 1 and go through 4. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Now, verse 3, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart.
and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. The problem, as I see it, is that this person is asserting that Paul is trying to lead people to worship other gods. He continues with some interesting bit of prose. By the will of righteousness, a tester was to come to refine the truth in the heart of, for the Father. What is the will of God? Yes. Those who do the will of my Father shall have eternal life. It's what he says next. The word that is the only word given for eternal life, the will. What is his will? Follow only what the word our Father has spoken, then you will know his will. Why would you ask a question and not answer it? Just more gobbledygook. <clears throat> he doesn't even cite scripture this time. <clears throat> neither, neither does he answer his own question. What is God's will? And aside here, this kind of thing using what I'm going to call flowery, flowery language, the will of, the father, uh, will of righteousness instead of God and tester in order to sound more spiritual or intelligent or something, just aggravates me. It's a trait I've noticed in people like this who use this kind of speaking in order to make themselves look more knowledgeable. Or more. I get angry fairly quickly with these kind of folks. People of this ilk will try to tell you they have a special knowledge or that they have gained new knowledge that others just haven't been able to, to attain, and he's going to share it with us. It's something I believe is referred to as Gnosticism. So I looked that up on Google. Gnosticism, it's a noun. One, a prominent heretical movement of the second century Christian church, partly of pre-Christian origin, Gnostic doctrine taught that the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity, the Demiurge, and that Christ was an emissary of the remote supreme divine being, esoteric knowledge, Gnosis, of whom enabled the redemption of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that sound like someone trying to lead people to other gods? Trying to get people to look for something more than what is in the scriptures. But they will tell you they are Christians. But according to gotquestions.org, that ain't happening. So, you know, gotquestions' question was, what is Christian Gnosticism? And the answer is, there is actually no such thing as Christian Gnosticism. Because true Christianity and Gnosticism are mutually exclusive systems of belief. The principles of Gnosticism contradict what it means to be a Christian. Therefore, while some forms of Gnosticism may claim to be Christian, they are in fact decidedly non-Christian. Gnosticism was perhaps the most dangerous heresy that threatened the early church during the first three centuries. Influenced by such philosophers as Plato, Gnosticism is based on two false premises. First, it espouses a dualism regarding spirit and matter. Gnostics assert that matter is inherently evil and spirit is good. We know better than that right off the bat. As a result of this presupposition, though, Gnostics believe anything done in the body, even the grossest sin, has no meaning because real life exists in the spirit realm only. Second, Gnostics claim to possess an elevated knowledge, a higher truth known to only a certain few. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word 
Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which means to know. Gnostics claim to possess a higher knowledge, not from the Bible, but acquired on some mystical higher plane of existence. Gnostics see themselves as a privileged class, elevated above everybody else by their higher, deeper knowledge of God. To discredit the idea of any compatibility between Christian, Christianity and Gnosticism, one has only to compare their teachings on the main doctrines of the faith. On the matter of salvation, Gnosticism teaches that salvation is gained through the acquisition of divine knowledge which frees one from the illusions of darkness. Although they claim to follow Jesus Christ <clears throat> and his original teachings, Gnostics contradict him at every turn. Jesus said nothing about salvation through knowledge, but by faith in him <clears throat> as savior from sin. For it is grace, by grace, that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, or learning, or studying, or becoming. <clears throat> not by works so that no man can boast, no one. Furthermore, the salvation Christ offers is free and available to everyone. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't write that one there. But not just a select few has, who have acquired this special thing. Christianity asserts there's one source of truth, and that is the Bible, the inspired, inerrant word of the living God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. And you can look that up if you want to, John 17, 17. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, which I read part of, and Hebrews 4, 12. It's God's written revelation to mankind and is never superseded by man's thoughts, ideas, writings, or visions. The Gnostics, on the other hand, use a variety of early heretical writings known as the Gnostic Gospels, a collection of forgeries claiming to be lost books of the Bible. Thankfully, the early church fathers were nearly unanimous in recognizing these Gnostics roles as fraudulent forgeries that espouse false doctrines about Christ, salvation, God, and every other crucial Christian truth. There are countless contradictions between the Gnostic Gospels and the Bible. Even when so-called Christian Gnostics quote from the Bible, they rewrite verses and parts of verses to harmonize with their philosophy, a practice that is strictly forbidden and warned against by the scriptures and Deuteronomy 4.2, if you want to write these down, 12.32, Proverbs 36, and Revelation 22.18-19. The person of Jesus Christ is another area where Christianity and Gnosticism drastically differ. Gnostics believe Jesus' physical body was not real, but only seemed to be physical, and that his spirit descended upon him at baptism, but left him just before cru crucifixion. Such views destroy not only the true humanity of Christ, <clears throat> but also the atonement. For Jesus must not only have been truly God, but also the truly human and physically real man who actually suffered and died upon the cross in order to be the acceptable sacrifice for sin. That's Hebrews 2, 14 through 17. The biblical view of Jesus affirms his complete humanity as well as his full deity. 
Gnosticism, uh, Gnosticism is based on a mythical, intuitive, subjective, inward, emotional approach to truth, which is not new at all. It's a very old, old, go back to Eden, where Satan questioned God and the word that he had spoken and convinced Adam and Eve to reject those words and accept the lie. He does the same thing today as he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for those he may devour. He still calls God and the Bible into question and catches in his web those who are either naive and scripturally uninformed or who are seeking some personal revelation to make them feel special, unique, and superior to others. Let us follow the Apostle Paul who said to test everything. Hold on to the good, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. And this we do by comparing everything to the Word of God, our base. About four years ago at the feast, there was a man going around informing people. And this was in Branson. About how we were just wrong in our worship of God. And how we were living our lives. For instance, he told us how he had learned through his studies that we were using the word deacon all wrong. That wasn't the way we were supposed to do it. Didn't really say how we were supposed to do it. That wasn't it. And he got all excited. And there's no J in Jesus. And I want to say, duh. I figured that out a long time ago. If, if we were living in Jesus' time. We're not. I'm not. Okay? I was born and bred in America. I speak English. Well, I speak American, probably. If Matt was here, he would. Mark, would you, would you say, I'm more speaking English than I am, or American than I am English? <clears throat> he, he, if he did tell me how we were supposed to do deacon, I let it go, because I knew it was garbage. This man was, according to him, a person of some import from the old worldwide church. Also, he was uh, a close and personal friend of Ian Huffman. <laughs> and he spoke with him regularly. I spoke with Ian later, and I found out that this guy is the reason. If you call Ian until he hears who you are, he will not answer the phone. This guy is the cause of that. So he, he does have a legacy, but I don't think it's one he wants to brag about. <clears throat> Bill Murphy had me witness his attempts to talk with this person because he was going around the folks at, at the feast and he was sharing his knowledge. And so he wanted to stop him from doing that. They all wanted to stop this guy from doing it because people were getting uncomfortable. <clears throat> It didn't work. Rather than saying, okay, yeah, I understand. He said, yeah, I know about that. Jesus had the same problem with people not listening to him. Did you catch that? This more, <clears throat> I'm sorry, this person was putting himself on a par with Jesus. He and Jesus have problems with people not listening to him. We listen. And immediately Don said, or Dale said, that's enough. And he was prepared for this, reached in his pocket and pulled out the offering that this guy had brought and gave it back to him. He says, here's your offering. You're not welcome here. You need to leave now. And do not come back. 
but I, dig I digress. Let's go back to Paul, whose credentials are being called into question by this fellow that wrote me. I'm pretty certain that he doesn't have any problems with Peter, right? Everybody seems to. So let's see what Peter has to say about false prophets and teachers. First, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> but there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false prophets, false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves with destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. That first verse focuses on a group that I really have problems with, the one God people. They deny the Lord Jesus Christ because they say there is and can only be one God. Therefore, there can't be a son of God, Jesus. Whoops, sorry about that. We have lost members of this body to that. To me, this sounds just like the writer of this note that I received. I think we can definitely say that Peter didn't have a problem speaking his mind, nor did he mince words. So if he had a problem with Paul, if he thought Paul was in any way a deceptive, uh, deceiving individual, I'm certain he would have called Paul out. Let's go to the next chapter where Peter warns believers of the dangers that lie ahead. You'll notice he refers Paul, references Paul as someone who listens. 3.1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, reminder that you may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the, God, the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and melt, by uh, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in, of him in peace without spot and blameless, 
and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. He's saying, listen to Paul. He's saying the same thing I am. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also other scriptures, under their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I have just really scratched the surface of this man's letter, but there isn't enough time to cover the rest of it uh, right now, even, even if I had a full sermon. <clears throat> Besides, I'd probably just get angry again as I read his garbage. So what am I trying to say here? Watch out at the peace when someone comes up to you and tells you about special knowledge some reason this kind of the feast brings out some of the idiots we had one in, in hot spring that uh, they let him speak and he spent most of his time bragging about how wonderful it was in the old days of the worldwide church of God and, and the church at, at uh, hot springs was given the keys, actual keys to the civic center and they filled it, and they were told, you know, just lock up when you leave and, and take care. And this guy, and I didn't find out about this until later, or I'd have probably got myself in trouble, was trying to poison everybody at the feast. He brought in pork to the food and unwrapped it outside and tried to stuff it into the trash can so outside so nobody would find it and brought food in. If you believe that God does not want you to eat pork and somebody brings it in and slyly slips it in trying to get the... That person is not your friend. So somebody that has new knowledge or special word or whatever, your baloney detector should start screaming. Okay? Here's a way to tell whether or not somebody is on the up and up or read the Bible. If it's true, it'll be there. If it contradicts what's in the Bible, it's garbage. And since Paul was brought up, let's see what he has to say, I think, about guys like this. Godlessness in the last days, 2 Timothy 3.1. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, 
led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind disapprove concerning a faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Remember, all scriptures, scripture is breathed out by God. 2 Timothy 3.10 But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch. This is still Paul. At Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Of course, he's talking personally to, to Timothy. <clears throat> but you guys who've grown up in the church who study it works this is for you also which are able you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus and then again all scripture is given by inspiration of God profitable for doctrine reproof correction instruction of righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work I'm looking forward to feast season. I'm looking forward to the feast. Haven't had a clunker yet. I've only been at it since 2000. It's actually going to feast. So, but they're always wonderful. But at the same time, I want to tell you, while you're catching up with your friends, you'll be meeting people you never met before. Most of them are going to be wonderful. But every now and then one will sneak in. They start telling you about special learning they've had, special words, whatever. It can make a big difference.